Pastor Ed Taylor addresses the danger of drifting away from God's Word next. We have more mechanisms to receive the Bible today than any other generation. Podcasts, apps, the internet, YouTube, Vimeo, on a website, on and on. We can listen to the premier best teaching pastors of all time. It's not a matter of hearing the Word of God. It's a matter of doing it. Because there's such an attack on the supremacy of Jesus Christ in our lives, because he's greater than every voice, because he's greater than the angels, because he's the creator of the universe, because he's the sustainer of your life, because he's forgiven you of your sins, because he loves you and cares for you, therefore, we must give the more earnest heed so that we don't drift away. This is amazing grace. We're talking about the danger of drifting today on Abounding Grace, and we'll join Pastor Ed Taylor in Hebrews 2 in just a second. The devil is trying with all his might to pull us away from God, and the spiritual currents we face as Christians are strong indeed. And if we're not careful and prayerful, we can drift spiritually. Sometimes you don't even realize it's happening to you since it's the way of the world. Pastor Ed is about to raise our awareness to this real and present danger. So let's return to our study of Hebrews for this highly relevant study. Take your Bibles, open them to the book of Hebrews chapter 2 as we start a new chapter in our study in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 2, we're going through verse by verse, allowing God to really minister to our hearts, learning about the supremacy of Jesus. That's the theme. Jesus is better if you haven't written that down yet, write it down somewhere, maybe over the title of the book of Hebrews in your, in your Bible, Jesus is better. And we spent the last seven Bible studies looking at the introduction to the book of Hebrews and how Jesus is better than the angels. But in reality, we learned that he's better than the prophets. He's better in every single way to everything. As this group of Jewish believers are faced with a crossroads, of leaving the substance of their Messiah, their Savior, to go back to the shadows of empty religion. That's really where they are. Unless you think being separated by a few thousand years that the Bible isn't relevant to you. Listen, you are faced with decision after decision after decision in the very same way. Oh, it may not be to go back to some empty religious ritual, but time and time again, you and I are faced with the decision to either steady on and go forward in the things of God, trusting him no matter what comes our way, or going backwards. And that's really the warning that we get in chapter 2. By the way, chapter 2 gives us the first, if you're taking notes, the first of five warnings in the book of Hebrews. Five warnings. The first warning, if you're jotting them down, is here in chapter 2, a warning against drifting. Drifting away from God's word. Then in chapter three and, three and four, we're going to be warned not to doubt God's word. Chapters five and six will be warned to not become dull, D-U-L-L, dull toward God's word. Then in chapter 10, we're going to be warned not to despise 
God's Word. And then finally, in chapter 12, we'll be warned to not defy God's Word. For us today, just in these first few verses, we're going to be reminded not to drift away. And it's a strong warning. And I have to say, it's good to pause here and be reminded that there are those times when people are struggling and going through things that part of ministry to them will be to warn them. We don't always equate comfort and warning together. You know, we might see somebody struggling with something, somebody wrestling with the flesh, maybe battling to go backwards, and our first response is to come alongside and encourage them, and no, don't do it. It's a bad decision. Think of everybody that's going to be heard about, and you take a softer approach. And, and I say, hey, take the soft approach, but don't neglect the warnings of God. There are times when people need to be warned, and sometimes the greatest warning is needed in the greatest time of decision. A time of when someone's just choosing the flesh. Somebody that times that someone's just choosing to disobey God. That's where chapter 2 opens up in verse 1. Therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things that we have heard, lest we drift away. Now, you Bible students, you know that the word therefore automatically brings a question. Because therefore is a connecting word. In the original language, as this was written in the Greek, there is no chapter breaks, no verses, and actually no punctuation in the Greek. So it just reads straight through, constantly straight through. For us, we break things down in chapters and verses, and it's very, very helpful to find things. But if you could just open up and think, okay, there's no chapter break here, so this is all one thought. So go back to chapter 1, verse 14. It says, speaking of angels, we've just spent all this time looking at the supremacy of Jesus over angels. Then he says, are they not just ministering spirits sent forth to minister to those who will inherit salvation? Therefore, and so we have to ask the question, whenever you see a therefore, you need to ask this question. What is it therefore? What's the connection? What is the point that's being made here? Why is it there? Well, chapter 2 verse 1 is closely connected with the superiority of Jesus over the angels, over the prophets, over any other message that's come before. Because Jesus is supreme in every way, we must give the more earnest heed to what we've heard. If there's ever a time in the history of the church of Jesus Christ to hear this message, it's now. Now, I thought maybe it was just because I'm getting older and the longer I serve in ministry. I've been ministering in this church now for 18 years, uh, serving in the previous church I came from for seven years. And so I was just thinking, you know, as I'm looking back in the urgency of my own heart and what, what I believe God wants me to do and to stir you up and to stir those that listen on radio is, is this sense of the culture that we're in and how the church is not making that much of a difference in the culture. The culture seems to be making a far more difference in people's lives than in, in believers' lives than believers are making in the culture. It's, it's like going against the, the current because I'm thinking of water. I'm thinking of that old shirt in the 80s. Maybe some of you will wear it to appreciation where it's got all the fish there and then there's a Christian fish going against the current. It's, it's an old shirt. Some of you might bring it to the 80s night. Go ahead, bring it to the 80s night. They don't make it anymore. But it's going against the culture, going against the current of this culture where there is, you know, as, as you're warned against drifting, you don't drift overnight. You don't wake up one morning and go, man, look how far I am from the things of God. It takes time. You know, it reminded me of when I was a kid and my parents would take me to the beach and we would go out, we would run straight out, a straight line into the water from the towel and from, from where my parents set up in the beach. And we would go out on the water and we would play. And before you know it, we would look up and find out, man, we're a half a mile down the beach. What happened? 
the current of the water took us. We weren't paying attention. It wasn't something that we were swimming against the current. We were just playing, enjoying ourselves. And I find that that's happening in the church. And I thought maybe, well, it's just me. I'm getting older. I'm seeing more. I'm watching more people get divorced in this church. I have people sit in my office and go, you know, I don't love them anymore. What are you talking about? Are you a believer? Yeah, I'm a believer, but I'm just going to leave her. What? I mean, I have heard the craziest things in my office that I haven't heard in the previous, I've heard more things in the last five years than I've heard more in the previous 13 years of serving. Like in front of me, it's not even something that that they're they're saying behind your back. They got a pastor in the room and they're just sharing all this sin and all this, and I'm just giving up. And I'm like, what do you mean you're giving up? Are you a believer? Yeah, I'm a believer. And I just feel like God wants me to divorce. I'm telling you right now, God did not give you that feeling. So you're like, well, I don't think I want to sit in your office. Well, then don't, don't get divorced. Don't think about it. Fight for your marriage. Fight for your kids. Whether it's divorce, whether it, I mean, you know, I, from time to time, I don't do this all the time, but, but kind of regularly, I'll take the bulletin and I'll pray through it. I'll just pray for the different events. I'll pray for the things that are going up. And there's one new announcement that we've been having recently that when I pray, I have two requests to it. Uh, and, and, you know, my heart just sinks. It's the, it's the class, the discipleship class we have on pornography. Why do we need that? Well, I'll tell you why we need that. Because even as I'm speaking right now, the Holy Spirit is bringing conviction to the hearts of many in this room that are into pornography. Why are you into pornography? What is it that you think you're going to get from that? What is it that, you're gonna, that you think that you're bringing the satisfaction of Jesus Christ into your life by holding your phone or looking to a computer or going to some strip club? Seriously. And I'm, this is believers. We're talking to people that say they love Jesus Christ, that say they're born again, that say they want to raise their kids in the ways of the Lord, that say they, they sit in church and they read, they have a Bible, and, they, and, and we're like, why? Why do we need that class? Well, we need it because right now we have one for men to remind you that your sufficiency is in Jesus Christ. And this is a nefarious, wicked, destructive sin that will not end on your own. It won't end. It's going to lead to utter disaster. And then the other request that I have, I have two requests. One is, first I have that feeling. Then I have, man, Lord, one day it would be nice not to need that class. That's not realistic, but it's still a heart cry of mine. And two, you know, we need one for women. Because the statistics say that women are involved in this junk just as much as men. The numbers are pretty close. And so how can a church affect the world when divorce rates are so high, pornography's through the roof, Christians are stealing, they're lying. And I don't just mean the normal stumbles of everyday life. I mean lifestyle involved in all kinds of perversity and sexual sin and believers. And I thought it was just me. But the more I read the saints of old, the more I read guys like A.W. Tozer, Ravenhill, these names not be, may not be familiar, but they were the, the voices of their generation. I even think of reading Spurgeon. Because, you know, sometimes as a pastor, you sit down and you think, man, this is the hardest generation to ever pastor. Because previous generations didn't have phones, didn't have internet. I mean, you feel like it. But, but every generation dealt with the same exact sin. The difference in our day is the delivery method, but the sin's the same. It hasn't changed. The devil hasn't invented new sin. He's just invented new ways to participate in old sin. And what is the sin that we participate in the most. The root of everything is believing the lie. 
believing the lie that this will satisfy you, believing the lie that this is more important, believing the lie that this is what you need, believing the lie that Jesus is not supreme or not sufficient. And I found, I'm coming to find out that it's not me and me getting older. It is what the church has dealt with from the very beginning. What was one of the biggest problems that the early church dealt with in the book of Acts? Stealing and lying. Remember Ananias and Sapphira? Stealing and lying in the church before everyone. And so what does Paul write? He says, don't drift away. You need to take more earnest heed to what you hear. And that's the problem, isn't it? We don't have a problem hearing. Most of you have still connected with me. Some of you might be mad at me, but that's your problem, not my problem. As you come to church, I don't want to hear about my sin. Well, what do you want to hear about? Do you want to hear things are going to be just okay? That you can continue on in that kind of lifestyle and things are going to be fine? They're not going to be fine. I underestimated just how painful it is to watch people live in sin. I mean, just me as a pastor. You know, teaching the Bible is actually the easier part of ministry. It's after 45 minutes pass and we fight. Most of, the, most of my time is spent begging Christians to do the right thing. But literally begging Christians to sacrifice themselves on the altar to do what Jesus said. To do what Jesus said, to deny ourselves, take up the cross and follow him. Most of our time is spent. It's, it's done a diff- lot of different ways. But most of our time is spent begging people like the author is here. We need to give the more earnest heed. We don't have a problem hearing the Bible. We have more mechanisms to receive the Bible today than any other generation. Podcasts, apps, the internet, YouTube, Vimeo, on a website, on and on. We can, have, we can listen to the premier best teaching pastors of all time. It's not a matter of hearing the word of God. It's a matter of doing it. Because there's such an attack on the supremacy of Jesus Christ in our lives, because he's greater than every voice, because he's greater than the angels, because he's the creator of the universe, because he's the sustainer of your life, because he's forgiven you of your sins, because he loves you and cares for you, therefore, we must give the more earnest heed so that we don't drift away. Now, the word drift literally speaks of sliding away almost imperceptibly. And we don't use the word drift very much. We'll use a different word. Let me give it to you. You can circle the word drift in verse 1, and you could write next to it, backslide. Now, I know there's all kinds of people who want to argue whether a Christian can backslide or not. Listen, hang around Christians long enough, and you will find out they backslide. And the idea of backsliding is just exactly what it sounds like. You just begin to slide backwards. You begin to move backwards and not forward in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Nobody, nobody expects to backslide. There aren't people that, that will come up and respond to the gospel and say, you know what, I, I love Jesus Christ and, and I'm just so excited that he's going to change my life and I'm going to do this thing for about six months and then six months I'm going to go back into the world and do worse things than I did before I came to the altar. Nobody says that. I haven't, at least I haven't met anybody that said that. Nobody thinks that. It's such an exciting time. It's so wonderful to know that your sins are forgiven, that God has a plan and purpose for your life, that he can rescue you. He can rescue your marriage. He can rescue your kids, that he can strengthen you and help you and give you guidance and direction. He promises you eternal life. That's so beautiful, and yet no one plans to backslide. Nobody ever really thinks they're going to backslide because following Jesus is so exciting and so wonderful in our lives. We all want to grow. That's why you woke up early this morning. 
Your heart's desire is to grow in the things of God. Your heart's desire is to know God personally. Almost always there's that attitude, let's go, let's grow. But real life is not like that. Because real life has hardship and difficulties. Real life has temptations. Real life has lies thrown at us and accusations. Real life has weirdness and spiritual warfare. We all have seasons of difficulty. We all have seasons of discouragement, resistance. We have, quite, we have seasons of doubting and questioning God and wondering what my purpose in life is and where am I going and what am I doing. And those are all the seeds of backsliding. It's a Christian word. I found it at least 20 times in the Old Testament. For example, in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 14, it says, the backslider in heart will be filled with his own ways. Isn't that the truth? Jot that down, Proverbs 14, 14. The backslider in heart will be filled with his own ways, but a good man will be satisfied from above. Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 22, to the nation of Israel, return you backsliding children, and I will heal your backslidings. Indeed, we do come to you, for you the Lord our God. The Hebrew word means to turn away, and to turn back. And here we have a description of backsliding with the word drifting. We need to take the more earnest heed to what we hear. We need to match what we've heard with obedience. I've even noticed in my own life that there were times in my lives where I was, uh, times in my life prior where I was quicker to obey than I have been in recent times where I had a habit in my life where if there's a scripture there, man, I'm going to do that. This is God's word to me. And then over time, you know, you get to know the Bible a little bit. You look up a little Greek word here and you heard a Bible study there. And now I'm a connoisseur of sermons instead of an obedient child of God. That's our culture. So that now we come into a Bible study like this, we come into a Bible study and you go, you know, know, what do you think of the message today, honey? Well, you know, I've heard better. And now we're critics of the Bible instead of recipient, obedient children of God. And now we're critics of everything. Yeah, you know, I could have liked this and I should have liked that. And before you know it, you walk out and again, the steps of backsliding are right on our heels. It's not how good of a Bible study it was. It's, did you act on what you heard? So actually everything gets flipped around, isn't it? That's, we don't like the, the spotlight on us. Nobody likes the spotlight on us. So the spotlight on us is simply this. God says, you heard what I said? Did you do it? And you go, wait, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I can't see. The lights are too bright. I can't see. Wait a minute, wait a minute. That person didn't say hi to me. Why don't you deal with them? Teach them how to say hi. That's an unfriendly church. That's an unfriendly believer. That's a, what? Therefore, we must take the more earnest heed to what we hear. And the thing that you've heard the most today is be careful that you don't drift away. Now, I realize in a context of a Bible study like this, this is probably a Bible study that's going outside of these walls, right? Because they're not here. They're drifting away. They're not interested. They're so far from God that they're not even interested in Bible study anymore. That, that the golf course, you know, the weather's changing, so golf got their attention. Or, you know, the weather's changing. Let's go up to the mountains and let's, let's make sure that we live life with the weather changes. And now they're not even hungry for the things of God anymore. I realize that much of this is for those out there, but all of it's for us in here. <laughs> You're like, yeah, you know, so-and-so's not here this week. I know, but you are. So what you hear, do it. Because you can drift away too. And I can drift away. 
We're tempted to do that all the time. Oh, it may not be going back to Judaism, although many people are tempted to replace rituals and law with the simplicity of Jesus Christ, even to this day, where there's a misinterpretation of the Bible, where we need to have a mixture, or even Jesus is, is important, but it's more important that we follow the law. But Jesus said that we're just to love the Lord God with all our heart, soul, and mind. Love our neighbors ourselves. That's the fulfillment of the law. He's our rest. And life is in Christ is a progression. Those of you that like to run away from things, that's a form of backsliding. Instead of just handling the difficulty that's in front of you and working through it, you choose the route of backsliding. Why would God bring a challenge into your life? Why would he bring challenging situations so that you and I would learn how to die to our flesh? So that we would learn how to grow in his grace and knowledge, not run away. Haven't you learned yet that every time you run away, when you finally get where you think you're going, guess who's there when you get there? You. And the people that you think you're running away from, they're there too. They just have different names because people are people. And you can't run away from God. You go, Ed, no, I'm doing a good job of running away from God. Well, ask Jonah. God prepared a great fish for Jonah. What has he prepared for you? Because even as you seek to run away from God, the Bible says, where can I go from your spirit, O Lord? I can go up, I can go down, and there's nowhere I can go to get away from you. Today on Abounding Grace, Pastor Ed Taylor has helped us to raise our awareness to the danger of drifting through a study of Hebrews. Pastor Ed, if someone listening right now is drifting, what's the remedy? What's the way back? Let me say that if you're drifting right now and you're hearing my voice, that means you're still tethered in some way to the Word of God, listening to a Bible study, listening to a podcast, a radio station, watching this on YouTube. Uh, and, and so if you are drifting, here's the remedy. Repent and return. Just admit that the decisions you've been making have been harmful to your relationship with God. They have been a sin against God and a sin against yourself and a sin against the people that love you. And the only thing to deal with sin is to repent. And I want to encourage you to go to Psalm 51 and read through this Psalm and prayer of repentance. Uh, repentance, it, you know, it's a Bible word. It means to turn away. Uh, skateboarders would say in 180, they go in the opposite direction. And that's what you need to do. That's the beginning. You repent, and then that just opens up the floodgates of going, okay, I've been wrong, I've, I've done the wrong, and I'm coming back. Uh, in Revelation chapter 2, Jesus writes a little post-it note to, the, to a church in Ephesus, in the city of Ephesus, and he tells them to remember from where you have fallen, repent, and then go back and do the first works, repeat. And if you're drifting right now, repent. And that's going to include turning away from the sin that you're in. So if you went back and started partying again, stop. You're starting to smoke pot again, stop. You're overcome by bitterness, forgive. Like there's a remedy for all the sin that you've allowed into your life. That's the point I'm making. And the Lord loves you. And I'm going to pray for you right now because I want you to come back. Drifting happens. And I'm not, I don't look down at you because you drifted away, but now it's don't drift back, come back boldly, boldly through repentance and humility. So father, I pray for those that have drifted and want to return. 
that you would establish them and receive the repentant heart, the repentant prayer, that you would forgive them, and that there would be a great, massive returning to the Lord during these challenging times in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Larry. Thanks again, Pastor Ed. And friend, if you'd like to hear the study in its entirety, visit us online at AboundingGraceRadio.com. And don't forget to listen in tomorrow when we'll share the rest of it. Here in the month of February, we've picked out an excellent book written by Roy Hessian called The Calvary Road. In it, he teaches that it's through brokenness, humility, and confession that we can prepare our hearts to receive the fullness that God wants for us. If you long for revival and power in your life, this is a must-read. And we'll send you a copy with our thanks for a gift of $25 or more to Abounding Grace. Request your book today by calling us toll-free at 877-30-GRACE. Again, the phone number is 877-30-GRACE. So don't miss our next study in Hebrews with Pastor Ed Taylor tomorrow on Abounding Grace. And may God richly bless you with His abounding grace. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.